0: Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Last night, I got a message from Jenny Lin, one of our friends in the Philippines. In 2010, Nate and I lived in Manila for a year and volunteered with a local anti-trafficking organization called Samaritana. Jenny Lynn was a kid back then, and her mom was one of the women who became dear to us that year. Jenny Lynn said that she's a mother herself now. She asked me if I remembered the Easter that we spent together that year, when a bunch of the women and their kids came over to our apartment for lunch and an Easter egg hunt. I told her, of course I remembered. It was the best Easter we've ever had. The backstory on how Nate and I came to Samaritana is a long one. I'll share it another time. For now, suffice it to say that we came to Samaritana at a time when our marriage was struggling to survive. I've often looked back on those early months in Manila and thought, if we'd been in the United States, where we had friends and family to escape to, we likely would not be together today. But in Manila, we had no place to go. So we shared our struggles with the leaders at Samaritana, who instead of kicking us to the curb, embraced us. Nate and I went into that year thinking that it would be depressing to spend our days with women who had been trafficked to bars and brothels, or who turned to prostitution out of desperation when there was no other choice. We were privy to a lot of hard stories that year. But despair is not the word that I would use to describe Samaritana or that year of our lives. The word I would use is joy. Samaritana is a Filipino-founded, Filipino-run NGO started by Thelma and Jonathan Nambu 28 years ago, when Thelma and a small group of women felt called to befriend the women that they saw every evening outside the bars and along certain strips of the highway. They asked the women what they needed, what they wanted. Samaritana was born out of those desires. In a part of Metro Manila where the sounds and smells of diesel-powered buses, jeepneys, and cars is constant, where quiet is an impossible dream, Jonathan and Thelma built an oasis of peace and tranquility. Walk in the doors of Samaritana, and you walk into a place that feels at once both like a church and a home. There are green plants and a trickling fountain in the central courtyard, and stained glass in the windows. This beauty extends to their organizational structure as well. Women come to Samaritana from the streets and later have the opportunity to become Samaritana leaders themselves. They lead by example and from their own experience. Samaritana got its name from the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. It's a story that means a lot to the Samaritana women. It's the story of a prostitute who had been shamed and shunned by society It takes place at a point in history when even upstanding women were considered second class citizens. In the story, Jesus ignores all of the social norms and not only speaks to her, but extends kindness and honor to her that she's never known. The interaction changes her life. She walks away from Jesus with new purpose and dignity. She's transformed. One of Samaritana's core values is that we are all image bearers of God, no matter what we've done or what's been done to us. You can feel that in the echoes of everything Samaritana does. Their approach to healing is holistic, not just counseling and meditation and healing from trauma, but livelihood training, education, and scholarships for the women's children. It's not a requirement that the women ascribe to Christianity or even believe in God. But if they come to Samaritana, they'll be treated with all of the beauty and glory and honor of a being created to reflect the divine. Even the way the staff refer to the women, their women friends, is reflective of that deep acceptance. And that doesn't just extend to the women, but to the staff and volunteers. I've rarely felt so wholeheartedly accepted and loved As I did at Samaritana, I have yet to see another organization that is so effective in its response to sex trafficking and prostitution. In a nonprofit sector where the return rate to prostitution is high, Samaritana hardly ever has cases of women going back to the bars. The women who come grieve freely and deeply, but more often than not, they emerge wise and radiant. Though the women didn't know what Nate and I were going through at the time, they must have sensed our brokenness. Over the course of days that turned to weeks and months, the women friends became our friends, too. We cooked and washed dishes together. They laughed at our kindergarten level, the We came to know and love their children and would visit each other's homes. I was there to research and write about these women, and I did, eventually— But what I wrote about wasn't fixated on the horrors they'd endured. It was focused on the ways they'd inspired and changed me. It was the women who gently exposed to me my fears about motherhood, who eventually made me open to having children of my own. They taught me that it's okay for laughter and joy to coincide with tears and grief. They modeled radical forgiveness that pushed Nate and I to forgive each other, too. Many of them had been trafficked into prostitution by trusted neighbors or family members. I learned from the Samaritana women how to love myself, not for the things I could accomplish or the way others saw me, but because of what I was capable of extending to others, that reflection of the divine. I've been thinking a lot about the Samaritana women this week. I do some freelance writing for a local nonprofit called Microbusiness Mentors. MBM provides business mentoring and microloans to people in extreme poverty in the Philippines and Uganda. One of the greatest joys of doing work for MBM is that I got to introduce them to Samaritana, which resulted in a partnership that directly benefits some of my women friends. But this week I've been getting emails from our MBM partners that echo what Jenny Lynn told me in her message last night. For so many in our world, the fallout of COVID 19 isn't just lockdowns and loss of work. It's hunger and struggling to survive. I reached out to Jonathan and Thelma to find out how Samaritana was weathering the lockdown in Manila, which has been harsher than ours. Armed gunmen patrol the streets, all public transportation has been shut down. Jonathan said that most of the women and staff are unable to get to Samaritana without public transportation so they've had to shut down their normal programming. A lot of the women live in squatter communities where their proximity to others makes social distancing impossible. But Samaritana has risen to the occasion, once again responding to the deepest needs of their city. This past week they provided food packs and hand-sewn masks to over 1,000 vulnerable families in need. They're drawing from their existing partnerships and asking for new ones, so that they can reach more people. They've turned their main hall into a staging area where they put the rice, vegetables, and grocery items they've bought in bulk. And with the help of several of the husbands of some of the women who live close by, they drive to drop points where the women and others can receive them. Some of the homebound staff have helped order and monitor deliveries. Samaritana has created an online database to compile all of the information they've received through messenger chats with the women. In my show notes for today, I've included detailed information for how you can donate to Samaritana's relief efforts in Manila. I can personally speak to the integrity of the organization and their incredible staff, who've devoted their lives to serving sex trafficking survivors. Our American Dollars go far in supporting the work that they're doing to feed the hungry in Manila. I've also included information about Microbusiness Mentors, the nonprofit that provides microloans to Samaritana and others in Uganda and the Philippines. Their work to economically elevate those in extreme poverty is needed now more than ever, and it's been an honor to write for them the past few years. As I approach this Easter weekend, I'm remembering the one I shared with the Samaritana women and their children a decade ago. It's a bittersweet memory for me because 10 years later, I still miss those women and feel grateful for the friendship they extended to me. I still look to them as an example of real courage and beauty and grace. I want to close today's episode with the beautiful, apt Prayer for a Pandemic, written by Cameron Belm on March 12th, a few days before shelter-in-place began for most of us. Cameron writes, May those of us who are merely inconvenienced remember those whose lives are at stake. May those of us who have no risk factors remember those most vulnerable. May those of us who have the luxury of working from home remember those who must choose between preserving their health or making their rent. May those of us who have the flexibility to care for our children when their schools close remember those who have no options. May those of us who have had to cancel our trips remember those that have no safe place to go. May those of us who are losing our margin money in the tumult of the economic market, remember those who have no margin at all. May those of us who settle in for quarantine at home, remember those who have no home. As fear grips our country, let us choose love. During this time when we cannot physically wrap our arms around each other, let us yet find ways to be the loving embrace of God to our neighbors. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen, share it with a friend, and subscribe. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. Even in these tough times, this family business has stepped up to be the first sponsor of Shelter in Place When you order wine from brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code SHELTER. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, you'll also get free shipping and overnight shipping in California. The Shelter-in-Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter-in-Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always, you can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.